Welcome to Get Over It, the Consciousness Transforming Podcast for Exceptional 21st Century Living. Folks, we have a show today for executives and leaders. And even if you're not an executive or a leader and you're wondering where your boss maybe should be, or you're looking to further understand, this show is for you. We're going to be speaking with Lisa J. Marshall, and her book is Yin, Completing the Leadership Journey. Uh, You're going to get a lot of information, and she puts a really unique uh, spin on what is going on in today's world. And she said a couple of things that just completely blew me away. So I know that you're going to enjoy this, whether you are an executive, a leader, or a worker. Now, the information shared on Get Over It uses intuitive and pragmatic insight to help you shift your consciousness to break through the blocks and release energy that is no longer needed. Guess we're going to help you let go of the BS that's holding you back. But you guys know I always ask, are you truly ready to? And by the way, folks, BS is belief system. A bit about me for my new listeners, intuitive since birth. I'm a third generation intuitive with over three decades of experience supporting people to break through the blocks along their path. I'm a strategist for personal and professional transformation, revealing cutting edge information that enables you to prosper and thrive. I spent 25 successful years in corporate America as an executive sales professional, and I'm the founder of Healing Visions Ministries and the Northern California Children's Education Network, a 501c3 nonprofit. I provide consultations and healings in all areas of life that heal the mind-body-spirit connection, allowing you to live your very best life. My clients say that I keep it real while providing them with accurate information to assist them along their journey as a spirit living a human existence. But they also say, if you really don't want to know, don't ask Monique. My background includes a doctorate in metaphysics, Reiki master teacher, ordained minister, and clinical hypnotherapist. So whether you are stressed, depressed, or possessed, I can help. To find out more about me and the services I offer, go to my website, nesmoniquechapman.com, and I invite you to like me on Facebook and follow me on LinkedIn. And folks, I'm going to be presenting at the Wisdom of Reiki uh, Conference in Rhinebeck, New York, and that's September 23rd through the 25th, and my segment is going to be how to deepen your intuition with Reiki. So if you can join us, I would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. My guest today, Lisa, is the author of Yin, Completing the Leadership Journey. As a nationally organized expert, trainer, speaker on leadership, maturity, and organizational development, she is the president of her executive coaching firm, The Smart Work Company. For over 20 years, her seminars and trainings have offered executives a creative way to become self-aware and tap into their potential through the power of story. Lisa, Lisa understands the power of story and that stories live in our bodies. She guides us to understand that our purpose in life is always whatever path we take to grow up, to mature, and become an elder. And you can check her out at her website, and that is yincompletingtheleadershipjourney.com. Again, yincompletingtheleadershipjourney.com. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you, Monique. I'm very delighted to be here. Hey, it's so great to have you here. You know, you've written a very interesting book that is so much different from other coaching leadership 
books out there. Why did you decide to do this? And why at this particular time? I've been a student of a Native American teacher named Hayemio Storm for 15 years. And I wrote an earlier book about leadership, which he read and said, Lisa, this is a good book, but you really need to write a book about leadership for women. And at the time, I was really flummoxed. I didn't know what more to say than what I'd put in my first book. And I just had to sit with it for a very long time. Uh-huh. In the fall of 2019 and the winter of 2020, we had Black Lives Matter. We had the Me Too movement. Then we had COVID. And I also had a knee replacement. And mm. somewhere in there, in the strange alchemy that is life, everything converged. And I suddenly knew what hadn't been said and needed to be said. Mm-hmm. And it had to do with the way we get to maturity being balanced. My first Mm -hmm. book had used the hero's journey, that old model of how people um, grow as the structure for the book. And a lot of women had said to me, "Mm, I'm not so sure about that. Isn't that just for guys? Mm -hmm." Mm -hmm. And my answer had always been, well, if you're not the hero in your own story, who is? Mm -hmm. And I stand by that. What I realized watching so many people fight so magnificently to find their voices was that there was another side to that journey. The hero's journey is exterior. It is about going out and slaying the dragon. It is about going out and chopping the head off the monster. It's about bringing back the Holy Grail or the golden fleece, it's, it's all these exterior action things. Uh-huh. Um, there's another version of that journey, and it is the yin journey. And the yin journey is about going inside and finding your voice. And I don't know why that had been invisible to me before, but it, those events all converging made it really clear that There's a whole developmental process that goes on when people find their voice. And that is a lot involved with feminine energy, not masculine energy. And I I Uh used yin and yang because I feel like male and female and feminine and masculine have gotten so polarized and so politicized at this point Um, that binary thinking doesn't serve us. And I was looking for a way to describe qualities of energies that all humans, male and female, have access to. Uh And and yin and yang struck me as a much better way to describe that than to talk about male and female or, um, you know, the heroine's journey or whatever. Uh that language just 
didn't seem to me as inclusive as I wanted to be. So during 2020, the year we were all locked down, this book showed up. It was completely different than any writing I've ever done before. Usually I lay out an outline and then I fill it in and <laughs> very young a process, you know. Um, uh -huh. This one was peeling an onion. It was layer after layer after layer. I'd write for a while and then I'd sit for a while and then more things would occur to me. And then I'd go and write for a while and then I'd sit for a while. But by the end of 2020, I had not a big book, but I had said the bulk of what I wanted to say. Uh -huh. What One of my friends read a draft of it, um, and she said, but Lisa, there's no stories in here. You need to tell stories because that's how people learn. And I had such a visceral response to that. I didn't want to tell a story. I didn't want to tell somebody else's story. The purpose uh -huh. of this book is for people to understand their own stories. So I turned it into kind of a workbook, which is to say there's a chapter and then there's some questions for the reader to reflect on. Some people like to read all the way through and then go back and do the questions. Some people like to read and do the questions and then read and do the questions. There's no wrong or right way to do it. The point is you need to know your story. You need to know how and why you are who you are and you have the voice you have and what's preventing you from having the biggest, strongest, proudest voice you could have. Uh -huh. And that's the purpose of the book. I wrote it for young people. Huh. Now, a lot of... What, what I'm finding is that it resonates pretty deeply for older people, especially older women as well. Um, but I wrote it for the young people who were being fed a, a story that didn't serve them and fundamentally wasn't very true. They were being told that there was a level playing field and they were being told <laughs> you know, upward mobility was the be all uh -huh. and end all. And they were being told all kinds of things that had nothing to do with the reality of a world that is, you know, burning up from climate change and flooding and um, where a growing economy no longer seems like the smartest idea anybody ever had. Um, uh -huh. And who are trying to figure out how to navigate all this. Um, so those are the people, as, as I say in the book, the people whose voices have been oppressed and repressed and depressed that I was aiming for. And if it works for other people, I'm delighted. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's really interesting. You said that um, you... In 2020, of course, we're all on lockdown and the yin is about going within and you wrote this book during this time. And it was a time when Mother Nature, Earth, Gaia, forced mm -hmm. us to go within, whether we mm -hmm. wanted to or not. I mean, worldwide, we had to go within. And it's interesting, the people who 
receive the lesson that was meant for them at that particular time and mm -hmm. the people who just said, no, nah, I don't want to do that and went to the yang side. So it's really interesting how we can be in a situation, but not truly grasp what we're into. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, you I, said some, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I was grateful for the lockdown initially because it, felt so all of a piece with the messages that were coming to me about yin and about having an interior life and an interior way of being so mm -hmm. um yes mm. well you said something to me before we came on air and it kind of just blew me away because i hadn't thought about it in that way and that you said that um Americans, the reason why we're having so much trouble going to sleep, and we have this pill, that pill, that alcohol, this marijuana, this cocaine, whatever it is that we're doing to numb ourselves, is because we're afraid. Please speak to that. Well, when I start the book, I list a number of things that I think are yin, all of which I think we're very frightened of. Um, Grieving is yin, anger is yin, sorrow is yin, and sleep is deeply, deeply yin. And I think we have all kinds of rationales for it, but fundamentally as a culture, we're afraid of sleep. It means letting go, not having control, sinking down into something dark, maybe something scary and not being the ones in charge. And we fight that. We fight that in our culture in so many ways. I remember reading after the 2008 financial crisis, how Wall Street traders all prided themselves on how little sleep they got. Mm -hmm. And just thinking, yeah, and what bad decisions they made as a result. <laughs> but we're, we're afraid to sleep, even though we know neurologically that that is the time when healing happens. You can't, the body does not heal during day, daytime hours when we're up and moving about. The uh -huh. body can't repair itself. We need sleep for healing. And we need sleep and dreaming for our brains to absorb and process the day and make sense of it. And we deprive ourselves of all of that because we're afraid of that letting go. Mm -hmm. So are we afraid that we're just going to have a nightmare or are we afraid that, you know, if we dream something that's not ultimately positive, that something bad is going to happen to us? What do you think is the underpinning cause of us being so afraid to know who we are to, in the to rest. State. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. I think, I think we believe that we lose our edge when we rest, um, that we won't be at our sharpest and we won't be able to play the game, put one over, you know, um, uh, and um, some people are afraid of the dreams. I think this is such a deeply rooted fear that I'm not sure that most people can assign a conscious cause to it. Um, 
there's just not enough time and we need to be doing more. And, you know, it, it's endless. And, you know, corporate work, as you well know, will take everything you want to give it. <laughs> and then some. And more. <laughs> and yes. more. And then it won't have a, your heart attack for you. You mm-hmm. know, it, it won't cure your cancer, but it will take till hell freezes over. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's infinite. And um, we also don't think we have a right to be rested. You know, we've made weariness a badge of honor in this culture. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, well, whose fault is that? And why are you proud of it? Um, Well, yeah, well, we're so conditioned to keep going, 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 going um, until some people, even now, you know, they're back to work and whatever. And you're back to work. You're trying to get the kids back into everything you could possibly pack into their little lives. And then on the weekends, you've got to go, 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 go. And then Sunday night at midnight to 2 a.m., you're like, well, where did my week go? Where did my world go? Because you haven't given yourself time, or at least that's how I look at it. Yep. Yep. You haven't given yourself the gift of time and rest. Yeah. Okay. Now, you say that you are the hero of your own story. I'm working with so many women right now who feel like they don't even have a story. Mm. And, and, and it's interesting how they use escapism to um, try to find a story, whether it's drugs, sex, alcohol, food, you know, they're just anything outside of to keep them outside of their body so they can't recognize their story. So say you're a sex addict, as I have one client who I know is going to listen to this, and she's just, you know, so consumed with that, it takes the place of everything else. How can you bring an addiction that you have? How can you lessen it, lose it, make it less of your story? Wow. I, I would say there are probably a couple of steps. That's that's a fascinating question. Um, one is, do you know the reasons? What's the backstory uh-huh. that got you to this place? Because somewhere in there, you got told that you only mattered because of your sexuality mm-hmm. and whose voice was that mm-hmm. and and then the question becomes you're not a child anymore you're an adult what are the reasons that you're ceding power to this voice from the past what are the reasons that you're allowing that experience to become your defining story and do you even know what a possible alternative story could be have Mm. you ever drawn out for yourself the story of who you want to be um have you explored that there are some really good questions in yin to help people explore 
that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, fundamentally, what, what role, how do I want to put this? What role does defining yourself in this way serve? Um, what need does it serve? And might there be other ways to fill that need? Mm. If you've never well, even thought about it, if you've just been so caught up in the chase, uh-huh. um, then there's a lot of interesting work to be done to to just sort of see who else you might be uh-huh. um, and give that other person some room to start to develop. Mm, very interesting because um, the things that you've said I have shared, but of course it's fallen on deaf ears because they choose to be stuck. I mean, at some point in time, you choose what it is that you want. Now, if you are having an interesting life and you're looking at it and you're like, you know, I really don't like that. Can you create a life for yourself and sort of step into it, if you will? Or does it have to be your own grounded life? Uh, I think it's a both and. I think we all create a life for ourselves. most of the time we're not aware that's what we're doing. Uh-huh. Um, and if we're doing it again, stuck in old stories, then we're also not creating a life in all likelihood that feels very fulfilling, enriching, exciting, nourishing. Um, and um, I don't think you can simply imagine a new life and make it happen Uh Um, those stories are neural pathways in your brain and to create new neural pathways takes work it takes conscious attention and intention and over Uh a sustained period of time that's part of the whole growing up process you know i'm i'm totally convinced that one of the reasons we spirits are here is to mature and evolve. And um, one of the things that I see is that young people are starving for meaningful connection with elders, which throughout most of human history we had. Uh It's only been in the last five to 7,000 years that we've lost that built in connection to the elders to the wisdom keepers, to the people who've already been down the paths we're going and struggle the struggles we're struggling and know that it can be done. Uh-huh. In today's world where young people only talk to other young people and really they don't even talk to them, they text them. Um, uh-huh. um, you know, they're missing that connection and they don't even know they're missing it. They're just sad and lonely and depressed. Um, and oh, really? It's sad. Yeah, we're losing them. Uh, or or yeah, they've lost themselves. It's both. It's, 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 a, it's another both and. They've lost themselves. Um, and I do believe that there are points in most of human history where adolescents have to come to grips with 
um, being responsible for themselves, not getting to blame other people and stepping up to a new form of maturity. Um, and that that has always involved some risk taking. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and we've lost smart ways to do that. We don't have those very much anymore. Um, but I do feel like there's also a, you know, we've lost respect for elders and elderhood. Um, uh-huh. We're all afraid of being old. We're afraid of aging. We're afraid of death and dying as opposed to accepting it as a natural part of a cycle. You know, uh-huh. we're, we're in a time that believes, an era that believes that time is linear and it only moves in one direction. And most indigenous people today and most humans throughout history understood that time was cyclical and more like a spiral. It wasn't a straight line. Um, Uh (coughs) And um, it wasn't a matter of he who dies with the most toys wins. (laughs) It was a journey. um, And you came back to the same places, but you were different and you could see how you were different and you kept going um, to a kind of, evolved interior spaciousness where you could be comfortable with what is and keep trying to make the world a better place simultaneously. Okay. Well, let's talk for a moment about executives and leaders who are out there in corporate America, which I was so happy to leave, but, but let's talk to them. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know. I call, I I quit midair going from New York to California. And when I landed, I sent all this stuff back before I left the airport. That's how um, I did it. But I don't, you know, uh, necessarily recommend that to people, but, you know, it was, it worked for me. But let's talk to executives and leaders and how to embrace yin in the workplace so that they're not driving people to quit midair in a flight or whatever. Well, that's one of the fascinating things to me is that I think that most of um, what makes workplaces tolerable is the yin stuff. One way to put it is yang is head and yin is heart. And Mm -hmm. if you don't believe that your boss cares about you, everything changes. I I remember when they first started laying people off back in the 70s doing mass corporate layoffs for the first Uh time. um, And somebody started doing some research and they discovered that people who were laid off and who thought that their boss didn't care about them took two to three times as long to recover and find new work as people who were laid off but knew that their boss had cared about them. Interesting. We we are fundamentally feeling creatures. We are, you know, we evolved in troops and tribes. It's who we're built to be. And when you lose that identity, it can be devastating. Uh-huh. And the, the hard work of being a caring boss was a great article came out many years ago called The Hard Work of Being a Soft Leader. I hate that soft skills, soft leadership, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
um, because it's not soft. It's the hardest damn thing there is. Yes. Yes. Um, and the, the, the hard stuff, which is, you know, being able to play the numbers games and manipulate and, um, uh, work your way up the corporate ladder. That's, you know, fundamentally adolescent behavior. That's not grown up behavior. Um, and that, you know, we make it hard and then it's, we're being strong and whatever. It's not, it's, um, how do I put this? It's like having a shell around yourself in which you have no feeling for anybody but yourself. And Mm. at the end of the day, Monique, people do not follow heads. They follow hearts. Mm -hmm. And if you're a corporate executive who thinks that you can outthink everybody else, out mental maneuver them, um, your days are numbered because you can't. Eventually, somebody's going to come along who actually genuinely cares for the people that she or he works with, and they're uh-huh. going to be able to inspire performance that you will never be able to inspire. Uh-huh. And they're going to be the ones who really champion an organization that makes magic for a while and they come and they go they're they're rare in corporate america as you well know Mm -hmm. Um, but when they do that then real magic happens and um it doesn't happen because they are smarter than everybody else it happens because they're humble and they're kind and they empower everybody around them. And those people come together and do something that none of them could have done alone. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I know that people truly need uh, to hear that. So will we go to your website, yincompletingtheleadershipjourney.com. What are we gonna find there? You're gonna find um, the, the backstory on why I wrote Yin. You're going to uh-huh. find um, the, a, a section called flower soldiers. What are flower soldiers? Well, it's a term um, from Hayamiyo Storm, my teacher, uh-huh. that describes the um, Mayan soldiers uh, in the temple schools in, um, oh, like... 500 BC or thereabouts, who were this amazing combination of tender and tough. Uh Um, And these were people who were sent out to teach all over North America. It's one reason why most indigenous peoples in North America have some version of what's called the medicine wheel, um, because Uh these soldiers were sent out to teach them. And I've started a process for collecting what I think of as modern flower soldiers and just putting bios and links to their work on them. Um, Cause I think that that's, that's, that's just a wonderfully aspirational thing to, to be and do. And they're all people who 
role model finding their voices. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also background information on me and um, things that other people have said about the book. Uh, and um, yeah, the other thing that I'm hoping to do mm-hmm. is the last quarter of the book is called Future Perfect. Mm-hmm. Because at some point, as I was peeling the onion, I realized already in 2020, people were going, when is it going to go back to normal? I want my normal <laughs> back. And all I could think was, normal was horrible. Why do we want it back? Mm-hmm. And I realized that there's a giant failure of imagination in our culture around possible alternative futures. And we won't get anywhere until we can imagine futures different than the ones that are being prescribed for us. Uh So the last quarter of the book is a description that I called future perfect, which is not my claim to this is the way it should be. But if we lived in a world in which yin and yang were in balance, how might it be? And I have an invitation to your listeners, if they read it and disagree with it, please write your own and send it to me and I will post it. Because I think the more alternative futures we can come up with, the better. And frankly, the only people until very recently who've been writing alternative futures are the science fiction writers and they mm-hmm. get dismissed because it's, you know, it's just science yeah. fiction. Yeah. It's only been in this last year or so that I'm starting to see economists talking about, well, maybe growth is not the be all and end all. And maybe there are other ways to, to have an economy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so they're starting to write some alternative futures, but we're in desperate need of different futures than the one that is roaring down on us. And um, we won't get there until people actually think that through a little bit. So there's an invitation there. If your readers, if my readers, if your listeners want to propose an alternative future, I would love to see it. Wow. Well, thank you very much for that offering. I remember actually, and you brought me right back to fifth grade when you said that because um, our teacher, Mr. Drake, he wanted us to write an alternative future way back then of what we thought utopia was. And I couldn't wrap my head around it at at 10 years old. I just couldn't, but I, I gave something and let it go. But thank you because that gives us something to think on. It gives us focus. Plus, it takes us out of this current mind, uh, mass mind consciousness that we're all, well, a lot of people are feeding into. And, yes. you know, if they could pull back from the mass mind consciousness, that would be great. Um, Lisa, I really enjoyed speaking with you, but our time is um, basically up. But what pearl of wisdom would you like to leave with the audience today? Oh, gosh, a pearl of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you have much wisdom. <laughs> I think just um, know that you are a living embodiment of a story and that Mm -hmm. you 
have choices about what that story is. Uh, you need to know where the story came from, and then you need to know what parts of it you wish were different. And that takes personal developmental work, uh, but it can be done. And when people, and you're a great example of this, Monique, when people start to see that the story they're in is not the one they want to be in, mm -hmm. they can change it. Mm -hmm. And they can find a voice to do something different with. And it's very, very powerful. Yes, my family was absolutely loving my story when I was in corporate America because they got to fly first class. We could pick, pick up and go, you know, all over the world if we wanted to. But I was miserable. So one day I said, F it. Yep. <laughs> and, le and left that world behind. Well, yep. Lisa uh, Marshall, thank you very much, folks. It's Lisa Marshall, get her book, Yin, Completing the Leadership Journey. It is a very easy read. It, um, the, the font is very interesting. It's a workbook style book. So you could actually do the work because guess what, folks, no matter how much you listen to her, me or anybody else, if you just listen and don't take action, guess what? So nothing happened. <laughs> so, you know, actually, you know, work on yourself because we got time. We definitely have time. So Lisa, thank you so much for being with us today. I greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you. I loved having this conversation and thank you for the good work you're doing in the world, my dear people. People need you. Ah, well, thank so. you. Thank you. Thank you. And to the audience, thank you for your time and attention. I am honored that you listen to me all the time. And please remember that the most important choice that you can make is what you choose to make important. Consider making the masterful choice of discovering your yin. Upon the blessings, light and love to all. Agape. Okay.